Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily weekend review show. And whilst the Premier League finds itself taking a nice early season break, right here at FSD Towers, we certainly, certainly are not. But with no domestic action on the cards this weekend, love it or indeed hate it, the international break takes centre stage once again. And anybody that finds themselves still swinging sweet Caroline in the shower of a morning will be delighted because Gareth Southgate's England are back in action. 4-0 in controversial surroundings in Hungary in midweek was followed up by an exact replica. 4-0 straightforward win over Andorra back on home soil at Wembley. 11 changes made by Southgate in London and we'll be picking the bones out of that and England's performance against Andorra in part one of the show. Then in part two, we'll be casting our eye across some of the other results. Big, big wins for Scotland and Wales as they push for World Cup qualification, but it was yet more frustration for the Republic of Ireland. A Cristiano Ronaldo-induced hangover saw them draw one all in Dublin up against Azerbaijan. And then to wrap up the show, we're going to be talking money. Big money. Money bags Premier League. Former Arsenal boss Arsene Wenger has claimed that Erling Haaland will inevitably move to the Premier League due to the massive amount of money swirling around. And there's also talk of massive contracts being negotiated for Mo Salah and Phil Foden. Right then, my name's Fergal Brennan and joining me on tonight's show, we have freelance football journalist Pete Hall. Pete, how's things? Very well, thank you. How are you? Very good, very good indeed. And uh, joining Pete, we have uh, Tanzania's finest Manchester City fan and podcast kingpin, Ant McGinley. Ant, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm rocking my uh, Tanzania shirt for those of you not watching, which I have to give a big shout out to my buddy Walker, who uh, brought this back to me from Tanzania. I like to get, as it's International Week, a little bit of flavour. And he was actually uh, mugged on the way back to the airport and they took everything from him bar his passport, the clothes he was wearing, and this shirt. So it really shows you the quality uh, that we think of those shirts. But yes, nice to be here. 
Yeah, anyone trying to score points in the international break, they might have got themselves a, a jazzy top on holiday in Europe. Ant has completely blown you out of the water uh, with his Tanzania <laughs> jersey. Right, England, Pete, we're going to go to you first on this. The old adage in these sorts of situations does ring true. There's no good way to beat Andorra. Going into this, four games for England against Andorra previously, 18-0 on aggregate. Four goals tonight at Wembley brings that over 20 to 22-0 across five games. And... It is always difficult. We, we go through this whenever it's Andorra or San Marino or a, a team in that position. It is just a case of get the job done. It might take a bit of time. It might take a bit of grounding down. But eventually, three points and England now maximum points in World Cup qualification. Got the job done and they can move on to the next set of internationals in October. Yeah, it's job done is, is probably the, 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 the thing that comes to mind. because And, and, and thank, thank God it's over. These, these, these games against... The likes of Andorra, Min- Minnows, as uh, as as their as their group title is, um, it's never a particularly pleasant watch. Um, it's 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 quite a difficult game, really. I mean, obviously you 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 know almost certainly going to win uh, these sort of games, but the pressure is on to score goals. You know, a three nil, even even four nil victory isn't isn't necessarily see, seen as a, as a great success against these types of countries, and it's just it's a matter of how many you're going to score. Um, yes, Southgate mixed things up. You know, widespread eleven changes throughout the team. Uh, obviously, that messes with the continuity of the team um, they, that they got from the last game. Um, so you're not going to have the free flowing football. You've got Patrick Bamford making his debut up front. Um, so the, the goals aren't going to flow, and it just makes it a really tough watch, really. And it's just you just want to get these games out of the way, really, and, and then bef- before and then worry about more difficult, more interesting qualifiers. After that, it's jobs done. Uh, let's let's quickly move quickly move on from uh, from this and uh, yeah, and look forward after after that the summer that we've had. Yeah, um, and to, as Pete said, we, we go through these games and it is a case of going through the motions. It's you kind of you can't win. You win ten nil, you should have scored more. You win one nil, you should have scored more. There's always these points that roll around. And the big talking point before the game was these widespread changes that Peter's mentioned, and it was eleven changes from the team that started against Hungary. Nobody started at Wembley against Andorra, and the cavalry got called for in the second half. Kane, Grealish, and Mount all come on. Grealish and Mount link up for the penalty. Kane sticks it away. And England are essentially home and hosed from there. Now, against Andorra, you do expect to win. It should be pretty much a formality. But are England in a position to be changing their entire team? Yes, it is Andorra. But if it was a slightly better team and Southgate made seven, eight, nine changes, is there the possibility of maybe just running away with themselves a little bit much? It's been an impressive summer all the way to the final of Euro 2020. But changing your entire team can backfire on you if it goes badly i think considering the way that england progressed through the european championships and this is the first time the, the team's been back together they haven't really had a break because you know your dream situation is you win the first two games and then you can play basically give everybody a run out in that third group game and give a rest moving in and they didn't really have that opportunity and um so there was a little bit of rotation through the squad going in but there's a lot of players that um, and, and you can appreciate this, you know, the, the, there was a reference to Connor Cody being the player of the tournament. And I, I think with, with that in mind and with everything that the, the the team went through as a bonding experience, I think it was it was great to see them getting that opportunity. However, 
um, the, the problem is, is you really want them when they're coming into a, a game like this against a team like Andorra. It's kind of game where you, you know, and I, was, I would say all respect to Andorra, but, you know, this is a, not a very respectful statement. It is a game where you're <laughs> expecting to see Andorra take a kick in. And, you know, and, and, and as we saw when, when uh, we had Kane and Grealish and the likes come on at the end, you know, that little extra bit of creativity or clinicalness really finished them off. Um, and, you know, as, as, as we are where we are now, it's worked out well. You know, it looked pretty tight. It, was, it wasn't what we were expecting. I was hopeful that Bamford uh, would provide... It would, would get the opportunity but then the thing is what you had was you've got an Andorra team that doesn't want to be humiliated they've gone out and so they close up shop and then we've seen this time and time again with the top Premier League sides as well they often come up against sides that just shut up shop uh, it's double parking double buses and they just what, what you know you've got to find a way to unlock and that's a great challenge to have um unfortunately uh that the most success that patrick bamford had at unlocking that defense was by taking one of the center backs out i mean the guy may uh may talk like a prince but he tackles like a pauper uh, so i mean that was about 15 minutes in as well so um yeah I, I i think i think it was it was a good move in terms of the 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 squad in terms of the um morale within the squad i i just think you know it's we're in a position where it's all worked out nice had it finished nil nil or even worse i think you know there would have been a kicking but i still as we've seen with southgate you know he stuck to his guns he's made his decisions and he's continued to do this he did it all the way through the the uh, european championships he made decisions that the likes of you and me and people that are paid even more did not see coming or necessarily agree with yeah and i think Pete, the big question that you look at here is is expectations now for England. On the back of the last two tournaments, certain hoodoos have been broken, penalty shootouts, getting to semi-finals and beyond. 2018 in Russia, semi-final, obviously famous final this summer in Euro 2020, losing on penalties to, to Italy at Wembley. So we talk about progress and, and where England are developing under Southgate, but inevitably there is now going to be a look ahead to the World Cup in, in Qatar in 2022. And five wins from five, 15 points on the board. You would anticipate that qualification is pretty much within touching distance for, for Southgate in England. So what I wanted to ask you is, on the back of this summer and further back in Russia in 2018, what are the expectations of England now? It's easy to look at this and go, semi-final, final, next stage, England have to win. That's, that's you know the logical route. That doesn't really play out. But England have been impressive. So moving forward to the World Cup in, in 2022, what is a realistic expectation of what we can look for from England? I think what you've got to look at with England is just this the generation of talent that's available. Um, this this is this could be, I mean, we don't know what's to come in 20 years' time, of course, but this is as good as in terms of squad depth, especially in attacking areas, uh, is is the strongest that squad that England have had in, in certainly in my lifetime um, I, I, I would say you know since sort of 66 era um, in terms of just so much ability all over the pitch um, f- you know four world class right backs that you can't fit into a team there's so much talent the bursting of talent throughout the, throughout mm. the team there are areas of weakness of course um, you know there's questions at centre back you know who is the strongest goalkeeper um, Jordan Pitford had an excellent tournament this summer um, but this is the, when you've got this much talent. You have to go. You have to go and you have to win things because you don't know 
um, how long you'd have to wait um, for a talent, a generation talent like this to come around again. I don't want to sound all Roy Keane and, and say that you know shouldn't be celebrating getting to <laughs> uh, finals or or semi-finals. Only celebrate when you win things. But again, I, I, I'm also I'm going to seem, seem like such a, a killjoy. But uh, England should have got to as far as they did uh, at, in, uh, at the World Cup in 2018. They didn't beat anyone stronger than Colombia en route to the uh, semi-final and should have beaten Croatia. So they should have got further there actually. And this summer, um, with the with so many games at home, again the the draw that England had, you know, with Ukraine in knockout stages, you, England, you know, should have got to the final with the, with the players that they've got, uh, the fact that they was at home and the teams that they drew against, uh, they, they were drawn against. Um, so next stage is is to go on and win things because you've got these when you've got this amount of talent you've got to make it pay you don't get you don't get generations of talent like this all the time it may well be a common occurrence now but you know with with the uh, coaching that's on offer in England and the facilities that are available um, but England have waited a long time St George's Park was 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 put in place um, a while ago to bring through this generation of talent that that won the under 20 world cup that 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 uh, you know that won the under 18 european championships that teams that these these players have come up through the ranks um it's been a long process now it's time to deliver that this is this is in there is so much talent in that england team uh, in in the squad uh, there's, there's options at gareth southgate's uh, disposal i think personally they have to they have to win a tournament sooner rather than later and and Pete's touched on there what England fans would look at and be maybe expecting from the team come come twenty two in Qatar. But from a wider perspective, obviously Italy winning Euro twenty twenty, Chiellini and Bonucci had a little bit of fun on social media. Um, obviously Jorginho's copied Gaza or Phil Foden's haircut as a little reminder that Italy won the final. We saw Spain reach the semi finals for the first time since they won it in in two thousand and twelve. What do you think has maybe changed from other countries or other countries' fans? perceptions of England based on this team because they'll look at Russia semi-final all the way to the final this summer and then obviously losing out to Italy so there will be countries and supporter bases sitting up and taking notice do you think there has been a change in what other countries perceive and expect from the England national team I think that there has to be I, I think what's happened is uh, for a long time and it's just interesting listening to, to the way um Pete was talking about everything and he pretty much nailed it is we have this expectation we have this expectation as a nation and really with the exception of Italian 90 it's only in the last couple of years that we started to live up to that and you know when you come you just mentioned Italy there you know Italy haven't had the great greatest um, pickup after they, they got a draw against Bulgaria um and I, I think, you know, for a long time we've talked about the Premier League uh, being the place to be, you know, the most competitive league in the world. And then we, we've had time and time again these golden generations. Uh, we've had all the players, we've had all the skill, but it just hasn't happened. And as a result of, of, of the stuff Pete was talking about, you know, this long-term planning, bringing the players through, you know, we have got an incredible depth of squad. Remember as well, like, uh, in this camp that we have these three games we're missing three players that would be on the bench at the very least in in Rashford Foden and Sancho so those again examples of great attacking talent which does draw again to what Pete was saying about lacking at the back and I think uh, when you you look at things now you know we've managed to somehow whatever the golden 
alchemy that uh, Southgate has come with. He's he's found a way to get us over that step, to get us through a tournament. And we've seen that mentality. And again, like I mentioned before, he's willing to do things, go against the grain, not necessarily be influenced by the press or the fans and make his own mind and take it. And he steered England to to two very successful tournaments. You know, they're more successful than anything in the last 30 years. And... I, I, I'm not sort of going to go, we should just have complete faith in everything that he does. But I think if we take a step out of where we are, we're suddenly ranked fourth in, in the in the FIFA charts. I can't remember a time we were in the top five that I've been alive. You know, maybe even after Italian 90. But remember, after that, you know, we, we failed to qualify for the next World Cup. So I, I think now we're being taken seriously. And also, we're, we're getting to a stage where potentially we could be having... You know, um, 80-90% of the England starting team coming from the top three teams in in both Manchester clubs and Chelsea. Yeah, um, obviously we talked about the changes, 11 in total of a Southgate for this game today at Wembley, Pete. But one of the most interesting ones is, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. He obviously missed Euro 2020 through injury. He's now back fit, playing for Liverpool again and, and back in contention for England. And one of the shouts for Trent Alexander-Arnold over the last season, maybe even going back to earlier on in his career, is to play him in midfield. Southgate did that today against Andorra, played him in a holding midfield role gave him 45 minutes and then strangely brought another right back into a holding midfield position and played Rhys James there and put Trent back out at, at right back. And you touched on it that England do have this abundance of talent at right back. James, Trent, Kieran Trippier, who can obviously play at left back as well, Kyle Walker, Callum Hudson-Odoi. You know, it's, it's an absolute, just a long list of all these players. But this obsession with, with playing Trent in midfield does seem to be born out of this idea that he's wasted at fullback. Given the fact that Southgate is keen to place his faith in players and wants everybody 1-11 to to be competent in their position, is there a need to force him into a position, particularly when there's no signs at Liverpool in the short term that he's going to be moved into midfield? I think that the last point there is key. I think I'm going with Jurgen Klopp on this. If Jurgen Klopp doesn't think that Trent Alexander-Arnold can play in midfield, then I don't think he. I don't think he can. He, 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 he can. He's very capable of it. He's got all the ability. He's got all the attributes that you need. And in theory, on paper, anything that gets a player of his ability further forward up the field to be able to whip those crosses in like he does can only be a good thing. But if he's if he's that good. Uh, in that position, then he'd be playing for his his club there because Liverpool haven't got an abundance of midfielders. Um, you know, uh, well, they haven't replaced Gini and Alderman in the really in the in the transfer window. Um, but yet, and yet, Trent Alexander-Arnold still hasn't been pushed further forward for Liverpool. So, and there's no sign of it of that being the case. Um, he's so good at right back. Um, why do you need to find him a new position? Would be probably Jurgen Klopp's thinking. Um, and England aren't really sure. I, I just think perhaps it, it, with it being with it being Andorra and the fact they were rotating Gareth Southgate was just having a bit of fun trying <laughs> trying to make a mundane game trying to make a mundane game against Andorra that bit more exciting for him. Just you know, throw a bit of a curveball in there. He's he's um, is it, it, yeah. Everyone's got to have the fun somewhere or another, haven't they? But hey, look, he, he's capable of playing there. If he played there, I don't think he'd do a particularly bad job. But I don't think it's going to be a long term solution for Liverpool or for England or, or for anyone really unless there's some sort of major injury crisis for, for England Declan Rice Calvin Phillips 
Jude Bellingham will always, uh, you know, and other players will will be further ahead in the pecking order. So yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a long term thing. <laughs> I think to be honest, at one stage he was playing fantasy football <laughs> because he's he's very much had the same lineup I've got in my team because he had three right backs at one point. <laughs> Um, looking at the other big choice uh, in terms of selection today, and you touched on him before, Patrick Bamford. You called him a, a pauper rather than a prince, and he's been kind of on the periphery of being called up to an England squad. Would he be included? Would he not? And Leeds fans will will tell you just exactly how talented he is. Seventeen Premier League goals last season, and when you look at the players outside of Harry Kane, it's better numbers last season in comparison to Danny Ings. It's better um, goals per game ratio to Dominic Calvert Lewin, and he's finally got his chance playing for England because there has been this kind of long list of players in front of him that are maybe more experienced, more qualified to play for England. He didn't get himself a goal today, but he did get himself right amongst the action and he's probably forced his way into being a regular um, a regular squad player at least for England. Yeah, and, and you know, the, there's such a wealth of talent that we've got there. I mean, Ollie Watkins is just coming back from injury, kind of pipped him. Danny Ings has hit the ground running at the start of this season and had a great season last season as well. And we've not even mentioned Dominic Calvert-Lewin yet. Uh, I think the thing with Bamford is he offers a very different uh, type of player to Harry Kane. Um and maybe that's why you know Kane was able to sort of. I mean, obviously his goal today became uh, was through a penalty. But you know, it, we're playing against a side that's very difficult to break down. Bamford likes to play off the shoulder, where Kane's more likely to sort of uh, come short and then and then come up in the air. But I, you know, I I think it's it looked like an easy game on paper. It was the kind of thing where you're like, go on, son, go out there and fill your boots. It's Andorra. But actually, you know, uh, to get, give Andorra, you know, their dues, they they came, they had a game plan, they 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 shut up shop. They, you know, I think it was only in um, the second half when they first had a shot on target, you know, and and that's that's kind of the the not that's the level that they were at. That's the game plan that they were coming for. And we've seen this before. We've seen the likes of you know very talented players in the Premier League come up against teams that have just shut the door, and they've not been able to. To, to force a goal in so I don't think you can judge him just based on this but I think it's great uh, that that they they had the faith to start with him I thought it was very interesting as well actually that um, even though at no point did it look like that Andorra were going to get anything back that Southgate uh, wasn't messing about and he was like this isn't a friendly this is a competitive game uh, I want goal difference I want 100% and so pulled him off pulled him off and, and brought Harry Kane on and, um, you know, I, I don't think that's an insult to be replaced by Harry Kane. Uh, but I think, you know, he gave him a good hour and he gave him a good opportunity. And again, we've seen, uh, I mean, we, we even saw it again uh, during the European Championships when he brought Grealish on and then subbed him off again. He's not afraid to make uh, decisions that might upset players. But I think he's generated the kind of atmosphere within the squad that people accept that and trust in him. And obviously, Pete, I want to get your your take on this before we do take a break. Club rivalries are always an interesting one in this because Everton fans will champion Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Southampton fans and now Villa fans will champion Danny Ings and and Leeds fans will really, really push hard for for Bamford to be included. But Kane is there, Sterling looks an absolute certainty. There's Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Jadon Sancho. There's, There's so many names to fill probably what is a front three, maybe six slots in, in a tournament squad. But 
Mm-hmm. Patrick Bamford does score goals at Premier League level, and, and the World Cup is not a million miles away. In around 15 months, it's going to be a winter World Cup in, in Qatar in 2022. Based on his form last season, if he can replicate that or even get back to 70 80% capacity of that form, does he deserve his place in this England squad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, whoever goes as, you know, you know, barring a uh, a metatarsal last-minute injury to you know to Kane to scupper his, his his World Cup plans. Harry Kane's going to lead the line. It's a matter of who's going to come off the bench uh, to make a difference. Should Kane not fire, um, and whoever is the informed striker, no matter who it is, uh, deserves to be it. I, I think Bamford deserves. I mean, deserves it more than more than most, really. Just considering. How his career, you know, took so long to take off. Uh, you know, he was he was that ch- he was that Chelsea player who was loaned out everywhere, couldn't find a home. Um, you know, lead signing for the sort of a nominal fee, and and and, and thanks to Marcelo Bielsa, he's he's he's, revi- he's revitalised his career. And but he's worked hard for it. He's not been he's not been given anything. You don't get you don't become the main striker in a Marcel Bielsa team if you don't run your socks off and, and, and put everything in in training so he's he's worked really hard and, and he it's nice to see stories like this really you know players later on in, in their career uh, getting into breaking breaking into the England team after after waiting so long so it's nice to see and if he, if he carries on yeah absolutely uh, he, he deserves his spot yeah, Prince Pauper or somewhere in between. Who'd be an England manager? Fullbacks playing central midfield. Fans shouting at you to make sure their players are included in the squad. But ultimately, the job is done. Gareth Southgate, five wins from five in World Cup qualifying. 4-0 against Hungary, followed up by 4-0 today against Andorra. 2022 World Cup qualification looks to be firmly firmly on the cards after the break we're going to be talking about some of the other runners and riders looking to qualify for the world cup wales scotland and the republic of ireland bit of a mixed bag across the board so we're going to be getting stuck into their results alongside some premier league news arson wenger has had his say on the financial state of the english top flight we're going to be looking into that as well as some big money contracts for some major major premier league stars don't forget to join us in just a second Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. And with the Premier League on hiatus, we are getting stuck into the international window. 2022 World Cup qualification is on the line. Now, before the break, we talked about England. Gareth Southgate looking to welcome fans back to Wembley after their final defeat at Euro 2020 this summer. Now, in part two, we're going to be looking at some of the other results. Pete, we're going to throw this one over to you first. Wales now disappointing in terms of a result in Euro 2020 last 16 exit so they needed a bounce back um, in this round of World Cup qualifiers and they've got it four points from two games nil nil against Finland away from home in midweek pretty solid result considering they had I think eight or nine players out injured and then Gareth Bale Gareth Bale and Wales I don't know what sort of magic goes on. I don't know what they give him for lunch when he's there, but he's absolutely unreal. 3-2 win for Rob Page's side out in Minsk. 
2-0 down. Gareth Bale gets himself a penalty with 20 to go. And then in injury time, he pops up with the winner. Now, that puts Wales in third in Group E in qualification, a point behind the Czech Republic with a game in hand. This is an absolutely massive result. And Gareth Bale's always the focus with Wales. And he, he did an interview recently um, in the media in Spain, basically saying he's happier back in Madrid. He loves working for Ancelotti. He pretty much admitted that he didn't enjoy working under Zinedine Zidane, which I think we're all well aware of. If you can get a tune out of Gareth Bale for Wales, they're always going to be a threat. And now, if they can get some positive results in the next couple of months, they could be on their way to the World Cup. There's there's two things that Gareth Bale loves as much as his, as his wife and kids, and that's playing golf and playing for Wales. He is a different level when he <laughs> when he when he puts on his when he puts on his international jersey. Um, and it's it makes you kind of want to be Welsh, doesn't it? Or you know, try and find some Welsh ancestors somewhere so you can you know you can get all excited about this. Because how good is it to have someone a, such a talisman for your country that you know wears his heart on his sleeve, comes up with a good time and time again. Um, when expectations there isn't any expectations really with Wales, considering the size, the population, um, and it's just it's such a good story that he just keeps doing it time and again, and he and he, and he just loves he loves doing it. Uh, he leads by example, and it's a, it's a fantastic story and a hat tr- a hat trick in you know what can be a, a a difficult game away from home. All right, but albeit the winner was was a tad lucky. The goalkeeper should really be saving that. Um, but it's it's such such a good story, and yeah. With with Gareth Bale, is there's been there's never been any doubt in his, his quality. And it's such a, he's had such a strange career considering he's won absolutely everything, um, scored overhead kicks in Champions League finals, and that still wasn't that still wasn't uh, enough to convince his manager that he was a good enough player. Um, he's got nothing to prove, um, Gareth Bale. He, he I think he he's, he had a bit of a, he had a raw deal really. He hasn't helped himself perhaps with his attitude, but. It's 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 two it's a two way street and uh, the way he was you know the way he was treated uh, considering what he'd done uh, for Real Madrid wasn't wasn't right and uh, uh, he has every right to be a bit disgruntled really and um, yes he has nothing to prove if 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 it was a non pandemic era uh, I think he would have left uh, Madrid there would have been people in for him um, obviously his wages teams other clubs can't afford him really. Um, Ancelotti coming back is is a is a big thing for him. Uh, a manager that he that he respects, obviously, as you said, Virgil doesn't doesn't particularly have the same um, attitude towards Zinedine Zidane. Um, so fondness. that changes things. But it, yes, fondness is one way we'll put it. But uh, for uh, for Wales, it's a different story. It's 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 fantastic just to see somebody, you know, in the twilight years of his career, should we say. Um, this is a sort of trip that he could easily have backed out of, you know, easily have, or or not given everything, um, considering the you know his age and the and the, his period that he's in his career. But every time, every time he comes up with the goods, and it's fantastic to see. Um, Scotland don't have a Gareth Bale ant, but what Steve Clark does have is a very solid unit, good bits of Premier League experience scattered right the way through. And Euro 2020 saw them back on the international stage at a major tournament, first time obviously since John Collins and, and France 1998. They didn't manage to get out of the group and they were in a position in this round of qualifiers for the World Cup where they also needed a reaction. Didn't start brilliantly, defeat to, uh, defeat to Denmark sorry, away from home probably put a bit of a damper on the early few days of the squad but they bounced back brilliantly 1-0 win at home to Moldova we talked about Andorra with England before and it's easy to say it's only Andorra it's only Moldova but 
that keeps Scotland in the hunt for potentially getting into the World Cup. They've got a massive game against Austria to come uh, this week, but eight points from five games, third in the group in behind Denmark and Israel. Euro 2020 was fantastic for Scotland fans to be able to see them in a tournament. Steve Clark will probably be a bit disappointed, but it's been a solid start from them for World Cup qualifying, and they're in a similar position to Wales, where if they keep it together, they could make it to Qatar. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, I, I think the, the the biggest worry for any, any Scotland fans watching is, has got to be the finishing. And uh, I, I think they had like um, 16, uh, 17 efforts on goal, um, and just the one goal from that. Uh, and ju- just to put that in in, uh, in perspective, they've got the fifth worst conversion rate currently in Europe, uh, coming in at 9.8% for all your, your statos, uh, which actually isn't as terrible as, as you think when you look at the teams that, that are either side of them. So Croatia just below them and France just above them. And France are quite handy uh, at putting their goals away. Whether that just means uh, France is scoring a lot more than Scotland. Um, I think w- where Scotland are now, I think that what's key for them, what's important, is getting the results and as you say, the the three points they've got from that one goal will do more for the. I mean, obviously, you know, it would have been great to have five or six goals put in. You know, as, as same thing with the England and Dora game. But I think at the end of the day, at this stage, it's the points on the table that count. And they are creating chances. I think that's that's the other way of looking at this. You know, the, 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 all right, they maybe they weren't converting them, but they're creating chances. The fact that they had, um, you know, so many shots before that they got the goal on shows that they're in, in the right frame of mind. They're moving forward, and you know, they've got some real talent in 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 the team. I mean, you can talk about Billy Gilmore all, all day long, um, but they've also seen. You know, look at how far England went in the European Championship, and obviously that was a game that meant a lot to them, and they were able to hold them. So there's a lot of spirit in that side, um, and I think they're still a long way from where they want to be and where they could be, but they are definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, um, as much as it was positive for Scotland and Wales, more disappointment for the Republic of Ireland, Pete. Stephen Kenny, 13 competitive games and no win. Cristiano Ronaldo broke a few Irish hearts in midweek with two late goals to obviously get his international goal record and deny Ireland three points in Portugal. You were expecting a reaction from Ireland in Dublin against Azerbaijan, but it just didn't come to pass. One all, Shane Duffy getting a late goal to make sure Ireland got what's been their first point of World Cup qualification. Reaching Qatar now is probably out of the question for Ireland but the debate that's raging between Ireland fans at the moment is this age-old idea of football is a results business versus there needs to be change and, and people want change and want to be progressive but they don't want to keep losing games and at the minute Stephen Kenny's finding himself stuck right in the middle of that particular tornado. Yeah um, it's it's and football's a simple, simple game. I mean, you've got to, you've got to issue a, a, a issue a response at home against Azerbaijan, and to to rely on a on a a, a late equaliser from a from a centre back, you know, is it's not good enough. How I mean, Kenny can't can't last much longer really because there, there isn't progression. They, they might be playing some better football, but if you're not getting the results. Is the talent there? You look at the play. You look at the players in the squad, and and, it, and it's you know compared to Ireland teams of old, the, the the depth of quality is very very poor, especially in attacking areas. Um, so 
you know, has he got as as has he got enough to play with? I'm not partic- I'm not sure really. Um, and it's 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 a worry really because it's when you've got such a paucity of options up front um, and you can't score against teams like Azerbaijan at home. Uh, I, I said I said earlier on about how games like this can be such it's a, can, you know the pressure is on really because you your firm favourites to to win and you know perhaps win convincingly. Um, but it must be so galling to see for Irish fans because uh, you can't see it getting any better anytime soon because of the lack of talent that's there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a, it's going to be a difficult few months ahead, but there's going to be a massive decision to be made on whether or not Stephen Kenny stays on as Ireland boss. Right, gents, we're going to switch our attention back to the Premier League. And apparently, the Premier League is absolutely loaded, Scrooge McDuck <laughs> style. Arsene Wenger, generally speaking, when he talks, and particularly when he talks about football finance, people listen. He's done an interview with a German newspaper Bild over the weekend, saying that it is an absolute inevitability that Erling Haaland will go to the Premier League and I'm going to get your take on this because it's probably going to be Manchester City that are front and centre in the race for Haaland he's been linked with Real Madrid he's been linked with Barcelona but Mr Wenger has basically tipped his tipped his cap towards the Premier League and said that Haaland will go to the Premier League there's no discussion to be had and when you look at the numbers in terms of this financial muscle that the Premier League have got it does back it up £1.1 billion spent on transfers during the window when you kind of extrapolate that down to, to gross spend or net uh, net player transfer figures, 560 million in net player transfers in the Premier League. That is 10 times what La Liga spent. And that includes Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, etc. Comfortably beat Serie A, Ligue 1 and the Bundesliga. He does have a point, Wenger, when he talks about this money. And Haaland is going to be the next big thing in terms of a transfer fee. And if he does go somewhere you'd expect Manchester City to be right in the middle of that conversation. Absolutely, although uh, you'd be also slightly worried as a City fan given recent negotiations as, as to whether or not they could pull that off. Um, but you know, what, what, what a player that would be to have. And also from his point of view... You know, you look at the career, you look at the the praise that he's he's getting, how well he's doing. You know, this is his time. This is the perfect time for him to make a big money move, and you can you can't really judge him for, um, you know, picking, you know, picking the richest offer that comes his way wherever that should be from. Um, I think my, I I, I think I, I'd be inclined to agree with Arsene Wenger. Um, Partially because, you know, one of the big places he could go just isn't going to be able to afford to bring players in like that for a long time in Barcelona. You know, they just they're in this situation now where you know we we saw with uh, right at the end of transfer deadline day with Griezmann being loaned back to Atletico. Um, you know, we're gonna. How long are we gonna be able to keep this going before we find? one of the clubs in the Premier League, maybe one of the top six, maybe one of the clubs that are just desperately trying to stay up, uh, will find themselves in a similar position to uh, Barcelona. And the, the the fact is, you know, we've known for a number of years now, is is it like the average wage bill in the Premier League is 104% of turnover? It, it's just, you know, you do not need to be very good at maths to work out that is unsustainable. You need a very poor financial advisor to think that's a good way to run a business. And it just seems that it's just been accepted and the stakes keep going higher and higher and higher. And, you know, it's not that long ago 
since we saw a big club really struggle because of financial problems. And, you know, we have a club in the Premier League right now in the form of Leeds, and those fans can remember what that was like. Now, it was a different time, possibly different reasons for where it went, but I think we're potentially in a situation where, uh, as, as you said, you know, not just the likes of Haaland coming to the Premier League, but uh, Phil Foden uh, looking to sign a new deal. We've seen a lot of new deals signed at Man City in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Jack Grealish coming in for a hundred million, a lot of money changing hands. Um, a few players going out here and there, yes, but the players that are in that have been successful, keeping them on good contracts, keeping them on good wages, and we, this is on the back of eighteen months where we've had no revenue through the gates at stadiums, which is a significant amount of money. And yes, financial fair play is taking that into consideration, but this is about more than financial fair play. Now, City are in a very um, privileged position in terms of where their financial backing is coming from, whether or not that's uh, deemed fair uh, by the authorities. You, yeah, but they they, they, <laughs> they 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 are likely to be able to ride out whatever happens. Let's let's be completely honest. As long as that that money's still still there, but when you look to other clubs and clubs that have you know been very successful but are already in massive amounts of debt. Like Manchester United are in service debt uh, with, with the Glazers. You look at what's gone behind um, Arsenal, what's gone on at Liverpool. The fact that Spurs, you know, have spent a lot of money on a stadium that they've not filled up as well. And so I, I'm concerned that we are maybe 18 months away from seeing a Premier League club having to, at the very least, have a fire sale just to survive. And. Pete, obviously Wenger has touched on the idea of Haaland coming to the Premier League. He's called it an inevitability. The numbers don't lie in terms of the, the current financial position. Ant makes a good point that in 18 months or two years' time, the complexion of the situation could be changed completely. But as it stands, the Premier League looks like a far more attractive proposition in terms of transfer fees that they're in ability to pay to clubs. And crucially, wages. We're seeing so much now. It's probably going to be the case with Kylian Mbappe um, in the next 10 to 12 months that it's going to be a wage war. We're seeing that more and more and more now, that wage packets that are put to the players, to their representatives, ultimately win the day. And you look at the money that the Premier League has spent on transfers and wages and agent fees. It absolutely dwarfs the rest of Europe. Ant is right that it could be boom and bust. But for the here and now, the Premier League have got a massive head start on anybody else. It might be boom and bust, but not for a while yet. But you think you're right for the short for the, for the short term. Uh, it's it's a number of clubs that could be in for Haaland because um, it's not going to be astron- astronomical amount of money because after another year at Dortmund, uh, a clause in his contract makes him available for I think around eighty million, which in the grand scheme of things today is an absolute snip for uh, a world-class, if not the best striker in the world. Out-and-out striker. Out-and-out strikers like him don't really exist anymore. There are very few in the world. Harry Kane drops further, drops deeper now and and, break, and, and and gets involved in the play, whereas Haaland is very much an out-and-out number nine who just is a ridiculous athlete uh, and a fantastic finisher. Um, and, yeah, they don't, they, don't make, they don't grow on trees like they used to. Um, but he... It's 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 basically for, for me for me it's it's the Premier League Real Madrid or Paris Saint Germain. He's not going to go to Paris Saint Germain, um, so it's the Premier League or Real Madrid. Real Madrid, yes, did not did not spend much money this transfer window, but you saw with their late bids for Kylian Mbappe, there is still some cash there. 
um, and they could afford Haaland uh, certainly at this rate. Um, even with wages, they'll, they'll have no they'll have no trouble paying paying his wages. The issue is the fact that you're going to have to pay Mino Raiola a lot of money as well because he makes he makes transfers that little bit more difficult. Manchester United don't like dealing with him, um, but he's he's he'll light up wherever he goes. And I mean, if he if he moves to Man City, he may as well just write off the next two seasons because nobody's getting anywhere near them. Um, if you've got him leading the line. Uh, folding on one side and then Raheem Sterling or, or or one of their other plethora of strike options on the other side. So um, you may as well write off the Premier League for two or three years if that happens. So it's it's the Premier League's a likely destination, but Real Madrid, don't discount Real Madrid. Real Madrid is Real Madrid and they, uh, they make up their own rules and they'll find the money from somewhere. Um, from players outside of the Premier League looking to benefit from the magic money tree to players that are already in it. And there's been some massive contract news over the last 24 hours and one of them referring to your beloved Manchester City and Phil Foden, 21 years of age, but let's face it, he is a first-teamer and a star for Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. According to a report from the Daily Mail this morning, City are looking to quadruple his current wages. He's on around £40,000 a week at the moment and City are aiming to go with 150000 a week on a four- to five-year deal. Given the fact that, in terms of playing time, in terms of importance to the team, he's certainly able to hold himself alongside Mares, Ferran Torres, maybe not quite in the same company as, as Kevin De Bruyne. Is this just a logical move based on his importance in the squad? Yeah, and I think also this is... Um... This is very much City looking at Foden, uh, the importance of Foden as a homegrown player, and also we've heard the way that he's been spoke about by the likes of Guardiola. You know, he's never seen anybody uh, play like that at that age, and I, I, I don't think those words are, are, are used without very good reason. Um, we've seen Foden do some incredible things, and you know, even. Even before he wasn't getting a lot of game time, I think it was two seasons ago, he managed to score in every competition that the club was playing in. And obviously, you know, City at that time were free scoring, so uh, it, it's maybe not uh, the, the most difficult accomplishment uh, when you've got the likes of those all around you. But this is about, even though it's a club that can make bids of 100 million uh, for Kane, that can bring in the likes of Jack Grealish. Um, that can outbid other clubs, um, and you know. Uh, to be fair, though, we're, you know we're we're not uh, we're not guaranteed as we saw with with Cristiano Ronaldo. But I think what they're putting out there is, you know, he is still young, and you. But you, when you look at him in that dressing room and the players that are around him, there's a lot of players on a lot more money, and especially with the way that football agents are and what's going on, you can understand people, you know, would start to have a word in his ear and saying this. And the club is just coming forward and saying, we, we've signed all these other players up on new contracts. They've just done Edison as well. The importance that he's given, the the the, um, the, the dyna- dynamism that he's added to the team. And Foden is not just a player that is for now, he's for the future. And I think that is the very much the thinking behind this. And... It sounds crazy, but purely within the context of football and within the context of Manchester City, I think he's worth every penny of what they offer him. And quickly before we wrap up, Pete, it's not just Foden that looks to be in line for a pay rise. Mohamed Salah is due to sit down with Liverpool for contract extension talks. He's got around 18 months left on his current deal, but according to reports, he's looking for £500,000 a week. 
His current deal is around 210, 220. But given the fact that Salah, in terms of his record at Liverpool, just looking at his numbers here, he's never dropped below 20 Premier League goals during his time at the club. He's 29 years of age. By the time this gets signed, sealed and delivered, he's probably going to be 30. This is probably going to be his last chance for a big contract. But he's essentially asking for double if reports are to be believed. And that would put him streets ahead of anybody else in that Liverpool team. It's a lot of money, isn't it? I mean, it's I mean to go into your but it's, it's it's some some big, big balls that isn't it to go into your go into your employer and say mm. I want more than double my wage. I mean, obviously, if, if reports are to believe, let's it's not him going in, is it? It's his agent going in. So, um, yeah, two very different things. But it's I mean, if if you talk about his record uh, for Liverpool, Fergal, like what? How much would it cost to replace a record like that? I mean, it's it, you know you're talking mm. you're talking 150 million pounds. So if if he does want that, and that's what it takes to keep him, there's always been that niggling feeling that Salah's not a 100 percent happy uh, at Liverpool. Doesn't necessarily feel appreciated for the. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous, and he's he's kind of become a victim of his own success in a way. In the fact that his numbers are so good that you expect it all the time from him. Uh, and when he doesn't when he doesn't score thirty goals a season, you, you see it as kind of a failure, kind of like what Messi did. He made he made he made the absurd normal at Barcelona, and Salah to a lesser extent has done that at Liverpool. Um, but it's 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 he's he's thinking about his worth to the club. He he's 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 been such a key figure for Liverpool for so long and been so consistently good then. Then I, I, he just he feels like that's what his worth is, and if that's the case, then then so be it. If that's what it takes to keep him, you pay him what he wants to keep him because it'll cost a hell of a lot to replace him, um, and you don't you just you don't get players with records like that uh, too often. So yeah, if he does want that, it's a hell of a lot of money. But yeah, give him it. I think Pete, we should take a leaf out of Salah's book, yeah. and after this, sit down with Fergal and say we want a pint each. Yeah. After the oh, show, God. and I thought you were going to go higher than that. One pint. All right, okay. I'm not taking you into I'm not taking you into negotiations with me if I get one extra pint. Yeah, and an absolutely uh, terrible strategy there. Some some sage advice from Pete. If you're listening to this podcast and you're going into work on Monday morning, just go for it. Go straight into the boss's office and say, "I don't want to pay. What's rise. the worst that could happen? I want double or nothing. Feel free." What's the worst that can happen? Exactly, exactly. Feel free to let us know if you do do that and how you uh, how you get on at the sports social on Twitter. We'd love to see if you're a Salah or you're a Foden in contract negotiation <laughs> talks. Right, gents and Pete, we're going to call it there for the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great to see you both. Great stuff indeed. Uh, Jim, Marley, Niall and the rest of the team will be back tomorrow. As always, we are here seven days a week on the Football Social Daily, giving you all the latest Premier League news. If you're a fan of the podcast or you're a brand new listener, just click subscribe and you get a brand new episode as soon as it is ready. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play 
for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.